good morning. If you need a Bible, you can put your hand up and someone will come and give you one, hopefully. Um, so the reading is Ecclesiastes um, from chapter 1, verse, um, verse 1 to 11. That's page 670 in the Church Bibles. So Ecclesiastes. The words of the teacher, son of David, king of Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labours at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye, has never, has, the eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its full of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new? It was here already long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations, and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. Uh, good morning, everyone. Nice to see you all. It uh, feels like a little while since I've stood up here with the summer holidays and camp uh, camp last week. So if we if I break into chants and songs and dances, actually I didn't do that on camp either. So uh, you should be all right. Uh, we are starting the book of Ecclesiastes. Thanks for your prayers, Nigel. Uh, you summarised it very well. Uh, picked up some key themes. Uh, so let's pray, uh, and today we're going to look uh, at these first few verses, which really give us an introduction to the whole theme and the whole book anyway. Uh, so let's do that. Let me pray before we begin. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, we pray that as we uh, dig into this book, uh, which uh, is very confusing at times, can seem quite uh, depressing at times, uh, we pray that you would show us your great uh, plan for us. We pray that we would come away joyful and encouraged, knowing that you are our Lord and God. So speak to us by your spirit, through your word we pray. Amen. Uh, well, I don't know if you've done uh, many DIY projects. Uh, some of you will have done better jobs than others. Uh, but normally, a DIY project always begins with uh, a dem demolition and waste clearing stage. You have to clear uh, and remove and break apart what's currently there before you can start putting things back together. And the bigger the project is, the bigger the demolition phase. Uh, Victor or Miri, our, our sort of resident Grace Church builders, uh, will have plenty of stories of how stressful and tense their customers get at the demolition stage. And the demolition stage is a big part of the project. Uh, dust everywhere, mess everywhere, skips on the drive, open roofs, gardens become a mud bath. Uh, it looks like a disaster. Sorry, not Victor's work, just generally building, <laughs> building work. 
It looks as if it can never be put back together. Uh, big building projects, corporate building projects, even put up massive wooden screens, don't they? Don't, don't they? So you can't see the utter chaos and mess behind the boarding. Demolition, waste, dirt, dust. That, that is how it's all got to begin. And that's what Ecclesiastes is. It is the greatest rebuilding project ever undertaken, ever known in human history. Only the project is not buildings, but humans, or human minds, human thinking. The book is designed to rebuild our minds, to reset our understanding of life, to redesign our priorities and our thinking. And so don't despair uh, too much. Because just like a real building project, 95% of this book is a demolition process. Waste removal. It could seem like a disastrous mess all the way, all the way along. Uh, that's not just my attempts at preaching it. It might seem that there's no sort of hope, no final project. There's no way to put this all back together. But there's something good to come. Uh, some of us here may already feel that uh, life is meaningless. Uh, we, we just need something to hang on to. Whether a Christian or not Christian, life can feel meaningless. But if we want a beautiful life, a perfectly designed life, full of hope, then the teacher, which is what most people call the author of this book, is going to first have to demolish all of our world's thinking around us. Everything in our mind that has been infected by the world around us. But what will be left behind is a perfect life aligned to the hope we have in the Lord God. A life that we can enjoy and understand. A life where we can exist in this world of meaningless. Uh, but we know what we're here for and what we are living for. A life where we don't live for what is in the world, but a life where we live for the one true uh, God of this world. Uh, so today's verses, verses 1 to 11, as I've said already, really offer us a little overview. Uh, some people think these few verses are written by a, a narrator, a separate author of the book. They give an overview of what's to come. The demolition and waste process that is to come. So have a look at verse 1. Uh, the words of the teacher, son of David, king of Jerusalem. Uh, we're not really certain who the teacher is. Uh, uh, many believe it was King Solomon because of this verse uh, and the claims later on to great wisdom in the book. Uh, but uh, there's other things in the book that suggest it probably wasn't Solomon. Uh, it's not too significant who the author is. What's important is this, this book is in Scripture, and therefore we know that it is inspired by God Almighty, by the one who chapter 12, verse 11 calls the one shepherd. The one shepherd inspired this book, the creator God himself. It is going to be valuable and helpful to us. And so let's see this demolition process, this summary in chapter 1, 1 to 11 begin. Verse 2, meaningless. Meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Uh, everything's a big word, isn't it? Uh, 
and our teacher really means everything. We will demolish through this book all sorts of massively relevant topics to our lives today. Uh, In fact, this book could turn out to be one of the most practical and helpful books we've looked at in the Bible for a while, which is saying something given how odd a book it seems at first. It's going to help us think through the issues we face in everyday life. We're going to cover the topics of wisdom, material possession, academic achievement, pleasure, work, seasons of life, oppression, friendships, economic and social development, monetary wealth, government, death, investments, youth. And all of them, all of those topics that we cover in this book are top and tailed by this very simple statement, verse 2 again, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless, everything is meaningless. And if you've got a Bible, uh, flick to the end of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12, verse 8. It's worth turning there just to see how well uh, sandwiched the book is by these two phrases. Chapter 12, verse 8. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. This is a massive demolition project of everything that this world lives for and by. In fact, the word meaningless occurs 32 times throughout this book. Everything is meaningless. But we do get hints throughout the book of a potential hope. Uh, we'll notice as we go that the teacher is careful to qualify what he means by everything. Have a look at verse 3. Keep a finger in chapter 12. We're going back there in a minute. Keep a fr- uh, flip back to chapter 1, verse 3. He tells us what, is, what he means by everything. Verse 3. What do people gain from all their labours at which they toil under the sun? Under the sun, another important phrase in this book, repeated 39 times throughout the book. In other words, this book is a searching analysis of everything under the sun. Everything meaningless under the sun. But it suggests, doesn't it, that uh, above the sun, or, or outside of the sun, not of this world, there is hope. Uh, there's something else. Uh, there is a hope to perhaps refresh our souls from this meaningless life. There is a newly designed perspective on life. Not with a worldly, under-the-sun type view, but an above-the-sun view of the world. A, a view that is aligned to the one and only creator who exists and created this order, created everything under the sun. And not wanting to switch you off for the rest of the preaching series that we'll be going through over the next 10 or so weeks. Uh, But it's worth knowing what that final building project will look like. How will our new lives be designed? What is the way that is above the sun that we're looking forward to? So if you're still in chapter 12, uh, the, the author gives us his own conclusions. Chapter 12, verse 13. Uh, This is, if you like, is the computer-generated 3D model of what the final building project's going to look like. Chapter 12, verse 13. Now all has been heard. Uh, It's been said. Everything's said. Here is the conclusion of the matter. This is it. Fear God and keep his commands. 
for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Fear God and keep his commandments. That is the conclusion of this book. Uh, These, if you like, are the verses to stick on your fridge door in your caravan where we're camping out while the house is being rebuilt. Uh, The the cat is back, don't worry. Uh, It is is impossible to go through this book in life without knowing that there is hope at the end. And this is the phrase, the verse, the conclusion to hang on your fridge. This is the light at the end of the tunnel. It's the perfect design for our new lives that awaits us. So we need to hold on to that vision. Uh, Let's go through our verses today, which show us how depressing life, and this book might potentially make us, without having this bit stuck on our fridge. So have a look at verse 3. What do people gain from all their labours at which they toil under the sun? The, The implication, nothing. Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and sets and hurries back to where it rises. Even creation struggles to keep up. It's meaningless. just goes round and round. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. Even the rivers can't do their job properly. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. The world goes round and round. Our labours are utterly fruitless, as if uh, filling the sea by rivers would ever work. Never finished, never satisfied, endless cycles, never changing. Verse 8, all things are wearisome. More than one can say. Uh, The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear, uh, it's full of hearing. How true that is. When we enjoy one sight, we seek another, don't we? Be that the beauty of creation or family or the sinful sights of lusts and desires, we just want more. When our ears are enjoying great music or children playing, we soon get bored and move on or the children start screaming and shouting and it's less attractive anyway. We seek a different sound. Our ears are never fulfilled. Verse 9. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. If there is anything of which one can say, look, sorry, is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new? No, there there isn't. It was here already long ago. It was here before our time. Meaningless. Uh, Of course, there are technological advancements and changes. In that sense, there's new things. But ultimately, nothing ever changes in humanity, in how we think and how we exist. Uh, We still use the phrase today, don't we, quite often. It's nothing new under the sun. Power-hungry people, constant pursuit of improvement, seeking comfort and meaning in life. It's all the same. Everyone's thought it all before. Just as sure as the sun struggles round the earth to get to its rising again and its setting again, so does humanity exist in this meaningless cycle. I always find it ironic. Uh, Mark Twain, the American writer, is often credited with the, the phrase that there is no original thought. No original thought. 
how ironic, because it was written here thousands of years before he said that. In the end, verse 11, no one remembers the former generations, and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. Of course, the odd person is remembered, aren't they? Uh, For a few generations. Uh, Not that that's of any use to them, because they're dead. But the very vast majority of us will not be remembered beyond a generation after our death. It's meaningless. Meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. So I know I've said it a lot uh, today, but let's join the teacher in demolishing our worldliness and our worldviews. For they are all utterly meaningless. But let us rise above the sun, beyond this world. Along the journey, let us not get depressed, but let us cling on with joy to our only hope, the finished product, product of what we will become only in God through Jesus. If you look at that house uh, during the demolition stage, unaware that there's uh, a great final plan, a wonderful design to come, well, you may just think that house is utterly doomed and despaired. But let's stick that verse back on our fridge and our caravans as we wait. Verse 13 of chapter 12. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Whatever the meaningless of this life and how we live it, we are to fear God and keep his commandments. A picture of a life lived not according to the world, but according to God's standards. It's a picture of a life lived for God alone. Not a life lived for wisdom or or wealth or work or friendship. A life lived solely for the right and reverent fear of the Lord. A life that will bring the teacher of this, writing this book and his students who read and listen to his lecture series here, that brings them right back to the very person and character of God. A God who will not tolerate the miserable, meaningless lives that we live, but will judge them accordingly, as is right. Now that may not sound like good news. I know that's what you're thinking. Hang on, that's, that's slightly terrifying. It's a great new design for life, but how, how does it work? How is this good news that God's going to judge everything we've done that's meaningless? Well, the, student, the, the teacher of this book, the students who listened, and we here today will know that while the world may fail us and God may judge our lives, he is also a God of mercy and grace. In our modern world, we need to be reminded of the meaning, meaninglessness of this life without God. And therefore, we need to come to him And we need to come to his throne, knowing he will rightly judge us, and therefore cry out to him for mercy. 
It is not bad news if we face God's judgment in humility and repentance. Because we know, as they did in the time of Ecclesiastes, that God loves to forgive. With an awareness that life is meaningless in the one hand and a right fear of God in the other hand, we have nothing left, do we, but to fall at his, uh, his feet, to cry out for mercy. Because the world is meaningless and God's going to judge us. So we're left coming to his feet and asking for mercy. Uh, in the Old Testament uh, times, they would have known that they would need to come to God with, a, with an animal sacrifice regularly and often to ask for his forgiveness. They would have known that that animal, that lamb, the, the ultimate picture in the Old Testament is a Passover lamb, where the Passover lamb's blood was shed to spare the life of those who had asked for forgiveness before God. Symbolically, the lamb takes the punishment, the blood pays the price before God. A sacrificial lamb. Uh, for them, it was an actual lamb. They'd do this every year. For us, we have the true lamb. We are this side of the cross, and we know that Jesus is the ultimate sacrificial lamb. So it is good news that the world is meaningless, but God's truth and judgment stands if we fall at God's feet and ask him for repentance and mercy, because we receive it. In Jesus, the sacrificial lamb. Uh, the, these verses are on the screen. I think John 1, 29. Uh, John the Baptist uh, is in view here. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That is good news for someone who believes in the truth and the commandments of God. Uh, Peter in the New Testament picks up a very similar idea as Ecclesiastes, 1 Peter 1, uh, 18 to 21. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, the meaninglessness of it all, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. That is the message of Ecclesiastes. You're not going to be saved by the world around you. That is meaningless, but by the blood of the sacrificial lamb when you come to him and his truth and commandments. As we cast off the world, its meaningless desires and its aims, we come to the son, the lamb. And we join the crowds of believers who on the last day, as Revelation predicts, will stand and cry in a loud voice, Revelation 5.12, Worthy is the lamb! who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and praise. This is what above the sun looks like. Revelation seven seventeen. For the Lamb at the centre of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every meaningless tear from their eyes. 
all meaninglessness gone, both now and forever, if we live this life for and under God's rule and are uh, repentant before Jesus and receive his grace and his mercy. Living now in full meaning and joy, we now seek him alone and his rule in rightful fear of the Lord and in obedience to his commands, knowing that we come to the mercy of Jesus each time we get it wrong. I wonder if uh, the Apostle Paul, and we'll finish with this, was reflecting on Ecclesiastes when he writes these verses in Romans 8, 18 to 25. He writes this. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing. This world, this meaninglessness, are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. The world is meaningless, but a day is coming where it will be glorious in Christ. We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves... Uh, who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. The perfect design is coming, for in this hope we are saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all, who hopes for what they already have. But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Ecclesiastes is the book that will help us see the world's ways and its views are meaningless. But we will wait patiently with hope, a sure hope, in Christ the Lamb, our Saviour. Let me pray. Father, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. As we reflect over the coming weeks on the ways and the works of our world and how often we've fallen into those traps and desires, we pray that you would give us a new vision, a hope that is above the sun of this world, that is received freely by the blood of Jesus our Lamb, and is lived out in our lives through a right fear of you and obedience to your commandments. Help us, show us a greater vision, redesign us for your will and for your glory, so that your church may be built, your people may be saved, and the Lamb may be lifted up high. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.